0: Thank you for listening in. All of us have had things said about us that break our hearts. We know how that feels. Yet, we'll turn around and do the same thing to someone else. Why do we sin against God in this way? Because of our sin nature. The good news is that we don't have to live this way. For the Bible tells us that if we repent and confess of our sins to God who is just and righteous, He will forgive us and cleanse us. Have your Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. So guard
1: your conversations. What? Don't let anything be said in your home. Also guard the content of your emails and your Twitters and your texting and your telephone and your cell phones. Listen, y'all can do conspiracy against folk and all you have to do is punch the send button. Used to be you have to send one person at a time. But now... You can gossip and do stuff and sin and hurt folks. You can sit one button or one text or one Twitter or whatever and a thousand people all over the world know it instantaneously. Technology works for us, but it also can work against us. Refuse to spend airtime in godless chatter. Guard your prayer chain. Oh, sister, we, you know, son, such, such thing just happened. And you know what happened? And they said this and that. And we got to go down in prayer. You know what? Some prayer chains can be gossip chains under the guise of spirituality. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 and 14. Paul tells the church at Thessalonica. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, wasting time meddling in other people's business. Verse 14, take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Some folk, what they're saying, they ought to be made ashamed by your not keeping company with them because they have a way of even bringing the worst out of you. Allow me to focus on one of the most deadly uses of the tongue, which is the sin of gossip. Say gossip. There are many of you here today, oh, you won't cuss. And you won't steal and you won't gamble and you won't drink alcohol and you won't look at pornography and you won't commit sexual immorality, but you think nothing of sharing gossip or reading it in the print media, such as the National Enquirer, the Star, the Sun, the Misbehave, the Globe, the U.S and People magazine. And some of you do it so often that gossip has become who you are. Gossip is deadly, it's disastrous and it's destructive. It's deadly, disastrous, and destructive. It is divisive. It disturbs the peace and breaks not only your relationship with God, it also breaks your relationship with man. There is a story, listen if you will. There is a story about three members who were in leadership, in the leadership of the church. And since they knew each other very, very well, they decided to make a decision to be transparent with one another. Therefore, they began to disclose their inner struggles because they were so close and wanted to be transparent. The first person in leadership said, I want, I would like to tell you all, I'd like to tell you all in this circle today that I cheated on my wife. The second person in the leadership of the church said, You know what? In transparency, I have to tell you, I pilfered out of the offering plate on numerous occasions. But the third person said in leadership being transparent I am a habitual gossiper and I can't wait to go tell it leaving here. <laughs> what is gossip? What is gossip? I'm not going to leave you wondering today. Gossip is groundless rumors. It's groundless rumors. It's hearsay. It's it's whispering behind one's back. Gossip is snooping. It is backbiting. You know what gossip is? It's news mongering. Gossip is sticking one's nose in other people's business. You know what gossip is? passing on information that can't be validated or verified. You know what gossip is? Garbage in, garbage out. Now you know what gossip is. Well, with that being said, why do some Christians gossip? Isn't that a good question? Why do some Christians gossip? Well, they gossip, number one, because they love it. It's juicy. It's juicy. Number two, people gossip because of idleness. Too much time on their hand and they start talking about things that they ought not be talking about. Number three, uh, people gossip because they are envious or they're je- because of jealousy. Uh, jealousy and being envious of a person will cause one to j- gossip. Number four, people gossip because they're nosy. Number five, people gossip uh, because it's a cover-up. In other words, your own personal issues are left unresolved as long as you stay in someone else's business. You know, so long, so you just stay in everybody else's business and that keeps you in denial from your own issues because you're so busy in everybody else's business, you can't front the issues of yourself. Number six, people gossip because many are negative by nature. They have a negative bent. Number seven, people gossip because to belittle others in order to exalt oneself. That's pride and that's a stench. Before the Lord, you belittle people to make yourself look good, to make yourself look big. And, and it's an arrogant sense of that. Number eight, it is to create a negative impression of someone. People gossip to destroy character, to destroy uh, reputation, to create a negative impression of someone. Number nine, gossip is ignited when you share confidential information to someone who is spiritually immature with loose lips. Be mindful that loose lips sink ships. And so you have to watch who you disclose confidential information to because loose lips sink ships. I pose another question to you today, my friends. How do you know when you are gossiping? Okay, how do you know when you are gossiping? Let me give you three so you won't be wavering on this. Number one, when you preface your conversations by saying, don't tell anyone I told you this or this is between you and me. That's that's some juicy gossip about to surface right there. Don't tell anyone I told you this. This is between you and me. Number two, when you start a conversation with guess what I heard and you end up with you didn't hear it from me. That's gossip. Number three, the inner conviction of the Holy Spirit will let you know when you have overstepped your bounds. Have you ever said something, you know, you shouldn't have said and the Holy Ghost convicted you to the core and and, 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 and you, you felt that was a godless sorrowness. For what you have said because you knew the moment after you said it, you shouldn't have said it because the Holy Ghost got a hold of you. Have you ever said something you shouldn't have said and the Spirit convicted you right soon afterwards? Has that ever happened to any of you all in here? You said something you shouldn't have said and the Holy, it could have been to a child, it could have been to a teacher, it could have been to a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, or whom a co-worker, or your boss, or whomever. And the Holy Ghost got a hold of you and said, you know, you need to go make that right. That is wrong. You shouldn't have said it. Go apologize and do it now and do it now and do it now. And the Holy Ghost will do that when he is in control of your life. Let's transition to another question. When someone attempts to share gossip with you, what is to be your response? When someone share gossip with you, what is to be your response? Number one, refuse to receive it and pray with the one who attempted to share it. That'll run folk away. That'll stop folk from passing stuff to you. Refuse to receive it, receive it, and pray with the one who attempted to share it. Number two, ask is this factual or just hearsay? Ask is if it's is it factual or hearsay? Number three, ask them have they shared this with the person they are speaking of? Woo! You said, wait a minute, before you share that. Have you talked to the person about this first before you bring this to me? No. Well, why are you telling me when you haven't gone to that person? You think folk gonna bring you anything else? No way. No way. No way. No way. Uh uh, uh uh number four, ask them have they made any attempt to be part of the solution? They're passing you the information. You say, now how do you plan to resolve this? How how you how do you plan? to be a part of the solution. I tell you what, this is a cut down the, the, the trafficking of God's gossip all the way around. Uh, uh, number, number five, simply change the subject. Change the subject. Don't let them go there. Or you just change the subject. Uh, number six, ask them. Here's a the big one. Ask them. Did the, now, did the Holy Ghost tell you to inform me of this? Or are you operating in the flesh?
0: <laughs>
1: Ooh, is this of God? Is this from the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost told you to tell me this. Or is this your flesh out of control? I tell you what, they will never pass on gossip to you ever again. Won't you all say amen? Well, finally, but at least, how do I glorify God with my tongue? How do I glorify God with my tongue? That's the question we want to end with. Number one, lift up the name of Jesus. We ought to spend time instead of gossiping and running folk down and bashing folk and back, backbiting. We ought to worship God with our tongue, honor him, adore him, esteem him, extol him, bless him. Psalms 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Number two, think and pray before you speak. If you think, you won't get in so much trouble. Think and pray before you speak. Unless we think and pray before we speak, our mouths will continue to get us in trouble with God and man. It was James, it's James 119 that says, my dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And so if you, if you are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, you will find yourself uh, sinning uh, to a lesser degree with your tongue and bring it under, under the Holy Spirit's control. Number three, give soft and gentle answers. That's what you do. Give soft and gentle answers. Proverbs 15, one says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say what you say that tears the house down. You can be truth truthful in what you're saying, but how you presented it was so distasteful that folk couldn't receive the truth from you. Number four, how do you honor God with your, uh, with your mouths? Speak in wisdom. Psalms 49, three says, my mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. God wants you to speak in wisdom. Now, if you're going to speak in wisdom, you got to know the Lord. You have to know his word and you got to be a praying man, woman, a child. Proverbs 15, 2 says, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. You see, and that's why Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is so wonderful because it, it helps adjust our speech to the glory of God. Number five, guard against idle talk. Proverbs 10 19 says, in the multitude of words. In other words, when you're talking too much, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. And so you're wise indeed if you don't talk too much. Be a man or woman of few words. But when you do speak, let it have substance and content to the glory of Almighty God. Second Timothy 2.16 says, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness shun these things. Number six if you're going to glorify God with your mouth and with your heart and tongue integrate the word of God in your daily conversations integrate the word put the word all in your conversations Joshua one says this book of the mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success when you meditate on the word, and the word is inter- your conversation is intermingled with with the word of God, that creates a a, a, a sense of of a beauty in your conversation before the Lord. Number seven: Let your speech be seasoned with salt. That's how you honor God and glorify Him. Colossians four six says, "Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one." You know, if you think and pray and meditate and you fill your your conversations with the word of God, you 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 will answer in a way that will encourage and not discourage. There are people. Let me tell you something. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There are people who are on the edge. Okay? How many of y'all know people who are on the edge? It may be you. There are people who are on the edge. Do you realize? there are so many around you, even in your circle, and in on, in on your job, and wherever, they have, they have suicidal tendencies, and you don't even know it. That could be the person who's sitting right before, in front of you, or beside you, or in back of you. And what you say can push them over the cliff, or what you say can get them back off of the edge, and put them back into the safety zone. And it's so critical that we learn how to answer and speak with grace and love and have our speech seasoned with salt so that we can get edgy people out of the danger zone. And our mouths can be a source of encouragement because we bless someone by pushing them back from the edge. Oh my goodness. Do your words create a desire for people to be in your presence because of how you speak? They long to be in your presence. And do they feel refreshed when they leave your presence? You see, I love these three verses in Proverbs. You see, Proverbs fifteen twenty three says a man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Proverbs fifteen twenty six says, "The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant." Proverbs twenty five eleven says, "A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver." Wow! Listen, your words must minister to those who cross your path, and 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 listen. God is not concerned about how popular you are in the world or on your job or in society if you can't connect with your words to your wife, to your husband, and to your children. That's why there's so much divorce in the church because the the, the fact of the matter is many of you don't know how to talk to one another. You're mean to one another. You're ugly to one another. You're sassy with one another. You're rebellious with one another. You're destroying one another. And, 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 and you say, well, and you just rape a person emotionally with your words. Oh, God, help me preach this message. Only when you allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse your heart and to renew in you a right spirit, Will you be able to bless others with the words from your mouth? You see, Psalms 51.10 says, created me a clean heart. Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me. Let me tell you something. When you're, I can tell when somebody's got a bad spirit. It doesn't take me long to identify a person with a bad spirit. You don't have to tell me your spirit bad. It's something about your spirit that just, it makes my spirit edgy. I can't connect with you. you know. And it don't take me long to figure you out. That's why some folks don't like to hang around me because they don't want to be found out. And when you have a bad spirit, you're subject to say anything. Your spirit's bad. You know, if I'm going to hire anybody to work on staff here, I, they can have a PhD, but after the PhD, that's, that's good to have all that stuff. But I want to know about your spirit. I want to know: Can you communicate? I want to know: Are you a team player? I want to know: I, I, you, Yes, I have a theological degree is good, but I want to know: Do you have an anointing on you? You can have a degree without an anointing. You see, I want somebody that can talk with me and to me with respect, and me back to him. You know, you you can say no, you know. People say, Pastor, how do you do that? You can say no to a person in such a way that they don't even realize they've been turned down. God will teach you how to do that if you listen to him. You know, I've had let folk go and this and that. They say, uh, I was invited to be the dean of student over at College of Biblical Studies down in Houston to be the dean of that school that I graduated from, about 2,000 strong now. And they said, an entourage of people up here a number of years ago, before this anything was on this property, it was just land. And the and the president of the school and all of them came down with their entourage and they said, Pastor Ray, we want you to come. We want you to be on staff. We want you to come back to Houston, go back home. We want you to be over this school and we want you to minister the pastors here. And I, I told them they took me out, my wife and I just just lavished us with all kinds. of. And I just said, you know, and I said in such a way that when they got back to Houston, they said, well, did we get turned down or what? You know what they did? They, they bought more folk, came back up here. You know what that statement was to me? You turned us down so gracefully until we didn't realize you said no. Can your nose and your turn downs be so full of grace and love and wisdom until a person is turned down in such a way that they don't even realize they've been turned down because you had such grace with it? And such lo- the spirit of God will show. Sure- you don't have to be abrasive to make your point, and and getting loud doesn't make things better. Why is it when you argue you get loud? Even if you're going to discipline your child, you can do that with grace. Now, Johnny, did not I tell you not to do that? Why did you did? De- now come here, Johnny. <laughs> We're going to have a nice love relationship. Johnny. <laughs> and I'm smiling all the time. My, the tears start rolling because they know Pat, they know Daddy finna get them. And I'm smiling. I loved on them. You know, we, we, even when you whip your children, you chase them and you have to deal with them. If you're dealing with love, listen, listen it's unexplainable when you're disciplined in love and when you can turn down or say no and have such beauty in your speech. There are people saying "Now that's a daddy or mama, a husband, a wife, a boss who loves the Lord and so connected to the Lord that they speak. Even in their nose, they minister to me in a powerful way. Amen. In ancient Greece, Socrates was widely lauded for his wisdom. One day, the Greek philosopher came upon an acquaintance who ran up to him excitedly and said, Socrates, do you know what I just heard about one of your students? Wait a minute, Socrates replied. Before you tell me, i like you to pass a little test. It's called the test of three cups. Three cups, said the person? That's right. Socrates continued. Before you talk to me about my student, let me take a moment to pour out the dregs of what you're going to say into the three cups and see what is left. The first cup is truth. Have you made absolutely sure that what you are about to tell me is true? Huh. No, the man said. Actually, I just heard about it and, uh oh, oh, stop. All right, says Socrates. So you don't really know if it's true or not. Now let's try the second cup. The cup of goodness. Is what you are about to tell me about my students, something good? No, on the contrary. So Socrates continued, you want to tell me something bad about him, even though you are not certain it's true or good? Man shrugged, a little embarrassed. Socrates continued, you may still pass the test because there is a third cup. The cup of usefulness is what you want to tell me about my student going to be useful to me. No, not really. Well, concluded Socrates, if what you want to tell me is neither known to be true, nor good, nor even useful, why tell it to me at all? The man was defeated and ashamed. And this is the reason Socrates was a great philosopher and held in such high esteem. Listen, my friends, before sharing with others, first ask yourself these probing questions before sharing with others. I'll give you five and I rest my case. Number one, is it true? Is what you're about to pass on, is it true? Number two, Is it good? Is it helpful? Is it beneficial? Number three, is it useful? Is it going to bless and is it going to bless? Number four, will it build up or tear others down? And number five, will it honor and glorify our Lord? Ask yourself these questions. Is it true? Is it good? Is it useful? Will it build up or tear down? Or will it honor and glorify our God? Continually asking ourselves these questions will search the heart, corral the tongue, and sift the gossip out of our lives. These are the words of Sister Wonder Little's third grade teacher, Mrs. Alexander. Allow me to share them with you at this time as I close. In wisdom ways you'd wisely seek, five things observed with care of whom we speak to whom we speak how, when, and where let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer And all God's children said, amen.
0: There is an old gospel song that says, without God, I could do nothing. Without him, I would fail. Without him, my life would be rugged like a ship without a sail. We can control what we say when we take God at his word. In and of ourselves, we are not able to control our tongue. Deliverance comes only through God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Absolutely nothing is too hard for Him. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located directly at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109. Directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.